Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So uh, tonight in the message, I wanted to ask this question first, and that was, when did you first get Christmas? Now, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents uh, had me baptized when I was uh, two, and I grew up in the warmth of the love of a church congregation in Cupertino, California, West Valley Presbyterian Church. But every Christmas, I would spend it with my family. We would drive the three hours from Cupertino to nearby Yuba City and celebrate Christmas Eve with a large extended family, opening presents and just lots of noise, lots of joy. I mean, it was great for a kid. But I didn't really get Christmas. Fast forward to 1999, and it was the first year I was serving as a pastor at Pacific Beach Presbyterian Church in San Diego. I took that call that fall, knowing that the lead pastor, the other pastor, was going to be leaving. And so kind of in a way, in preparing me for this, he asked me to take the lead on Christmas. One problem. I had never been to a Christmas Eve service before. I had no idea what to do. So I went to one of the worship leaders and I said, hey, uh, Lau, what do we do on Christmas Eve? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, what do, what do we do? I mean, I know it's about Jesus and his birth, but what exactly do we do? He said, you don't know? I said, I have no idea. Well, that led to a process of crafting a Christmas Eve service. And now 22 years later, it's familiar. It's joyful. And this is the way I get Christmas. But it wasn't until that time and that experience and interacting with this guy and talking about the service that I realized two things. One, 
First thing, as a pastor planning Christmas Eve, rely on your worship leaders because they help us get to Christmas much better in some ways than even a preacher does. What I mean by this is Christmas is really better caught than taught. You catch it through the music, don't you? I was caught by Bo's violin playing. I mean, it was like, okay, we celebrated Christmas just hearing the beauty of the violin. The second thing I realized, though, was it's all about Jesus. And it wasn't until the end of the first service uh, there in San Diego when we went outside and we sang Silent Night by Candlelight. And there, in the midst of a balmy 78-degree Christmas Eve in San Diego, I got up with my candle And I shared the beginning words of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God and he was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood or overcome it. And now 2,000 years later, it still hasn't. John's gospel continues the word, Jesus became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it was then that I first got Christmas. Christmas is about celebrating our Savior's birth, that love came down in the humble form of a baby, born in humble circumstances the night of that first Bethlehem Christmas, born, as the carol says, to give us second birth, a new lease on life when we lay hold of the promises of our Savior to find our identity in him as his sons and daughters. For as another carol says, Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. You see, Christ still seeks to enter into hearts and lives and hours and days today for those who are open to him. And he gives us a reason to sing a new song like we heard about in Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. The psalm says, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. There are actually six imperative verbs here in these verses, three calls to sing to the Lord and one each to praise his name, to proclaim his salvation day after day, and to declare his glory among the nations. That new song we are meant to sing at Christmas involves praising his name. Luke tells us that he, Jesus, was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Matthew tells us that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we, tonight we celebrate Jesus as God with us. The one who came to save us from our sins, who has been given the name that is above every name. 
The new song we sing to the Lord involves praising his name, but it also involves proclaiming his salvation day after day. In other words, we don't just celebrate Christmas and Christ's coming one day a year. We are meant to proclaim or share Jesus, that he is the source of our salvation day after day. Like the shepherds who spread the word concerning him, what they had been told about the child and returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard because they, had just, they were just as they had been told we are to tell our story of encountering Jesus so that others can share in our joy. The new song we sing from Psalm 96 will also serve as a declaration declaring his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. This past October, I got to travel with my older son, Josh, and a group of students for their eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C., Boston, and Philadelphia. In Boston, we got to go into Liberty Hall, where the Declaration of Independence was signed, and it was profound. And we are blessed by the freedoms we enjoy in this country But sometimes I think of the Christian faith as a declaration of dependence rather than independence. You see, we are utterly dependent on Christ for our forgiveness and salvation. And that is something to declare among the nations. Declaring the mighty acts of God, that all he has done to save us and reflecting or glorifying his presence in the way we live our lives. That's why I love to light the Advent candles during Christmas season and why I love my favorite part of the service is when we'll go out and sing Silent Night outside by candlelight in a few moments because it's as we reflect and see one another's faces reflecting the candlelight that it reflects the glory of God and the presence of the saving work of Jesus in our lives. The psalm teaches us that worship should, not, should never be priv- a, a, merely a private thing, something between ourselves and God only, but also that our worship of God should lead to our witness to what we have seen and heard of Jesus. We should never be satisfied with worshiping God alone. G. Campbell Morgan once wrote of this psalm, If the song of the Lord begins in the heart, it always grows into a chorus in which others are included in the music. Let me say that again. If the the song of the Lord begins in our heart, it always grows into a chorus in which others are included in the music. In other words, who hasn't heard the music that we've been singing tonight? Who hasn't understood the message behind that music? Who is singing their lives in a minor key right now because they're depressed and discouraged and they feel isolated and alone? Maybe they're grieving the loss of a loved one and this is their first Christmas without them. Maybe they're sick with COVID or some other uh, virus or disease. But who is it out there that's never heard the chorus of Christ, the song of Jesus, and needs to know the hope that we can have in your lives? The psalm goes on to say, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Why is the earth to praise the Lord? Because he alone is God. The psalm exclaims the Lord's greatness, his being worthy of praise and his awe-inspiring nature. The Lord alone is God. 
Other religions, other belief systems may claim that their gods have power over the heavenly realms, but this is excluded and shown to be false because the Lord claims to be, have created the heavens and the earth. He alone is God. And he not only created this universe in which we live, he actually came and dwelled in it through Christ. No other God created and no other God could step into their creation. In fact, in the Hebrew, uh, what we can see is all the other gods of the world are idols, uh, basically a no thing. That is a non-entity or nothing. So what this means is only God is, is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And the earth needs to know this truth. And so the king of glory, Jesus, came into this world in order to reveal who God is to you and to me. He didn't just stay at a distance. He actually stepped into time and space that Bethlehem night and was born in this world and seeks to be born into our hearts. All the qualities and characteristics of God depicted here in the psalm are reflected in what God did in sending Jesus. We see his splendor and majesty. We see his strength and glory. These two pairs of divine attributes are are what we, we celebrate about who God is. Just for instance, the word glory means radiant glory. It's that, it's that glory of God that was revealed through the angels to the shepherds that night who were then drawn to go and see and worship the newborn king. The psalm goes on to ascribe or, or say things about God, about the families of nations that he has created, that he has glory and strength. It declares the glory due his name. And it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. The message translation says, bring gifts and celebrate. Bow before the beauty of God. Then to your knees, everyone worship. And so they offer up their gifts in humble adoration. And with awe, they offer themselves in celebration of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All this depicted in the psalm is lived out by the wise men who come from afar and bow before Jesus and offer him gifts fit for a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh depict the fact that he is worthy of our worship and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he's not just going to stay high and mighty on the throne in heaven. He actually came down and lived among us and we ultimately find him then exalted on a cross, which was his throne on earth. Eventually, his life is redeemed and restored. God raises him up from the dead and exalts him in heaven. But it takes the love of God that we are meant to celebrate and praise him for to actually do this amazing act for our salvation. That is what makes him worthy of our worship. We're to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, to tremble before him all the earth and say among the nations, the Lord reigns. He rules. He rules this world as we talk about in one of the carols in truth and light. He continues to restore this broken world and and reigns and rules in heaven even now and will one day return to set all things right. You see, Advent and Christmas point to Christ's first coming. But God continually comes through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives today. And we have this great promise that one day he will come again. To set all things right. But in order to restore a broken relationship with us, between us and God, our Savior has come. 
And in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says it this way. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And he took the very nature of the servant, was born in human likeness, and was obedient even to death. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus left heaven and came down to live with us in order to raise us up to life with him. And give us this gift of life that no one else can offer you. And therefore nobody else is worthy of your worship. And friends, we all fall short of the glory of God, of worshiping him only. We all give our hearts away to lesser things. But tonight, let's be reminded that Jesus came. And he came because God wanted he and sinners to be reconciled. And in one of our carols, the mission was to to see just that, to see God and sinners reconciled, made one again, made right again. And guess what? We have been commissioned In this mission of ours, we have been given a mission to go and share that good news with other people, to celebrate the fact that he came and lived among us. He passed the courts when he came. He passed the palace. He passed the dwelling place. He passed the inn and was born into this world in so lowly an estate so that we can see him and be raised up by him. That night when they came into Bethlehem, The news that there was no room in the inn is ultimately symbolic of what would happen to Jesus. You see, the only place on earth where there was room for him was on a cross. He sought an entry into the overcrowded hearts of men, but he could not find it. And still his search and his rejection go on. The question remains, is there room in our hearts for him? Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, said, If God really has been born in a manger, then we have something no other religion ever even claims to have. It's a God who truly understands you from the inside of your experience. There's no other religion that says that God has suffered, that God had to be courageous, that he knows what it is like to be abandoned by his friends and to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and die. Christmas shows you that he knows what you're going through. I remember recognizing this in a deeper reality uh, after my uh, daughter Kylie died back in 2004. I remember just in my grief coming before God and crying out to him and wondering why he would allow that to happen. And then I remember thinking and realizing that God himself experienced the death and loss of a child in his son Jesus. And he could have stopped it. But he didn't because he loves you so much and wanted, you to, wanted to draw you into a relationship with himself. And he gives us earthly redemption at different times in those sorrows and losses. One of those for me is my son Josh and his name. Josh means the Lord saves. The Lord kind of saved and redeemed my wife Beth and I from that loss and the grief that we still carry from our daughter's death. But gave us joy again in getting to parent uh, two, two active boys. But what God did for me humanly, he did ultimately through Jesus. He sent Christ, his one and only son, to die for you. The story doesn't end at the manger, it just begins. And my encouragement to you is to investigate the rest of the story 
And ask yourself if there is room in your heart for him. And Voskamp, a writer, once said, In each heart lies a Bethlehem, an inn where we must ultimately answer if there is room in our hearts for him. Is there room in your heart for Jesus in the midst of your busy life, in the midst of this busy season? The invitation remains, as one of our carols says, to come and worship. Come and worship Christ, the newborn King. Or in the words of O Little Town of Bethlehem, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. I love the old tagline from uh, a hotel chain, Motel 6. Uh, for years, they kept using the same line. Does anybody remember it? We'll leave the light on for you. It gave this sense of warmth and invitation to weary travelers that there would be a light left on at the Motel 6. And, and even if you were lost or looking for a place to stay, you had hope because they would welcome you in. Well, long after that slogan's been used, God still leaves a light on for you. He still extends this invitation through Jesus to find his light and find your hope in him and come home to him. And when you do, he comes in and dwells in your very heart and life, seeking to make all things new. Church, the opportunity we have is to surrender to Jesus' birth in us and through us to recognize that through him we can experience new life, new hope, new joy, new love. And the life that we long for is ultimately experienced in relationship with this newborn king who grew up and lived and died for you and rose again and wants to impart to you new life. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born While shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night Behold throughout the heavens There shone a holy light Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and Christ is born The shepherds feared and trembled When low above the earth Rang out the angels' chorus That held the Savior's birth Go tell it on the mountain 
that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent a salvation that blessed Christmas. Jesus Christ is born. One more time, let me hear your voices. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. 